Oh, hi, everyone. Uh, you are listening to Cinema 5000. I'm Mallory, your host, here to tell you about what films I have been watching. Not too many in the last week or so, because right now I'm actually on vacation. Um, I am on the island of Vieques, which is off the coast of Puerto Rico. It's a Puerto Rican island. There are no movie theaters here, but I'm lucky enough in that I brought a device that I can watch movies on. Um, yeah, some days you wake up at like 6 a.m. because the roosters woke you up, and then the roosters are crowing all day long. <laughs> Not a lot of uh, quietness in the neighborhood that I'm in, though I can't complain too much because it's really close to town um, where I'm at, and I'll be here through the weekend. But I wanted to record a podcast because I've got plenty of downtime to do whatever. I am currently at 4,965 movies. Gee whiz, that is only 35 movies, which is crazy to think about. Uh, Where I last left you, I had been talking about horror movies I had seen, and lucky for you, I've got a number of other horror films I have seen recently. None of these are rewatches. They're all new to me. Uh, So on the 10th, I ended up watching Halloween, The Curse of Michael Myers, which some folks may know as the Halloween movie that includes Paul Rudd. (laughs) Uh, So the tagline is, Terror never rests in peace. Six years ago, Michael Myers terrorized the town of Haddonfield, Illinois. He and his niece, Jamie Lloyd, have disappeared. Jamie was kidnapped by a bunch of evil druids who protect Michael Myers. And now, six years later, Jamie has escaped after giving birth to Michael's child. She runs to Haddonfield to get Dr. Loomis to help her again. Um, what a hideous movie. <laughs> As you heard right there, uh, somehow, some way, Jamie is impregnated by Michael's child. Why would you do that? Even more puzzling, after Jamie passes away in the film, um, we find out that the Strode family has been living in the Myers house. It's a very, very strange film. I... I hated this. <laughs> um, this this is, I mean, I, it's probably tied with my least favorite Halloween film of the series, which we'll get to soon, but there's a lot of really nonsensical details in this. And like, as I mentioned, Paul Rudd is in it. Paul Rudd, <laughs> so weird. He ends up playing Tommy Doyle as a young man, like 20s. So strange. And then we find out that Mr. Strode, um, Laurie's dad, now that she has passed on according to this universe, um, is an alcoholic and a wife abuser, and the family is just miserable. Oh, this was like such a mess of a film, and then it has this like cult that worships uh, Michael Myers, and I just don't understand why you would take this story this direction. It is just very weird that these people are still invested in the Michael Myers thing and the way things are working out for these characters. Don't like it. Don't like it at all. Rated a one and a half stars and letterboxed. Thankfully, to wash my mouth out from that horribleness, the following day I went to the movie theater. Did not watch a horror movie. No horror movie here, but I ended up finally seeing the new 2022 film directed by Gina Prince-Bythewood, the film The Woman King. The tagline is, Her Reign Begins. The story of a Goji, the all-family unit of warriors that protected the African kingdom of Dahomey in the 1800s with skills and fierceness unlike anything the world has ever seen. 
and the general Nasinka as she trains a new generation of recruits and readies them for battle against an enemy determined to destroy their way of life. The acting and performing in this movie, like all around, and production design, costuming, makeup and hair, is all extremely excellent. Viola Davis as Naniska is great. There's a young woman who comes into the female warrior camp who, you know, is going to train and become possibly a warrior herself. Naoi, um, who's played by Fuso Mbedu. Um, she's so fantastic. Never seen her anything before. Apparently she is in um, Barry Jenkins' the, um, Underground Railroad series, which I haven't seen, and that really makes me want to see it because her performance is fantastic and she has to act against Viola Davis who if you know anything about Viola Davis she brings it she's like the total package when it comes to being an actor throws herself into the role and you believe her all the way uh Lashana Lynch has a supporting role as Izogi and she's great as well she helps train Nawi uh there's also John Bega playing King Gezo if I'm making it sound like this is like definitely a film where actors it's it's like you know it's a character piece um, it is and it isn't. Uh, luckily, there's a very good balance of understanding who these characters are, these women warriors and what their motivations are within their own community, and then the kingdom, like how did they fit in. I, I loved all the characters. I thought they were so great. I think the film itself had been given, a, if it had been given a better, bigger budget, um, it could have been more grand. Like there could have been a better sense of how wonderful this kingdom was as far as how it treats women and the king and this and that and I mean it's all within the movie of the story it wants to tell like this isn't a documentary this is a movie so it's like going to be more positive about how these women are um, able to assert themselves and be who they want to be with the roles they choose um, it, it is a movie that <laughs> in some ways does have a happy ending but the trials and tribulations that these women go through like as far as a historical epic it's right up there, in my opinion, sort of those like shield and sword kind of epics. Like uh, I've seen some people compare this to like Gladiator, and I think that's a fair comparison um, because, yeah, it does, you know, have not a complete necessary story of like history, but you can't expect that with a Hollywood movie. Um, but it is very, very big and want to tell you lots of details about these characters and why they fight and what they're doing um it's it's great like I really enjoyed this movie I do think the script itself is a bit predictable that it's it's that is its biggest shortcoming but at the same time it paints a wonderful picture of these female characters like there's just been so so few movies ever made that are about women figures and epic you know stories to this degree um, like I said, it, maybe if it had a bigger budget, it could have been maybe a little better, maybe a little grandiose, but at the same time, this only costs $50 million to make, and I think if you're having a budget like that, and the movie gives me such a positive feeling about how it portrays both these characters and gives, like, the ability for these actors to be in this movie, and then when it comes to the actual fight scenes, which are all really good, um, that's money well spent. They did a fantastic job but again scripting and maybe the budget to some degree are where I a little little bit hold back on my rating I give it three and a half out of four stars I don't really rate anything five stars like ever anymore so 
if you're going to my letterbox and I rate something like three and a half or four stars, it is like definitely, definitely worth your time. But yeah, uh, The Woman King for a historical epic, um, I can't recommend it anymore. It's like so satisfying and it's the kind of movie that actually um, appeals to a lot of people and I do think that some people maybe hold back for certain reasons of not seeing this movie, but you probably should watch it because you'll, you'll probably enjoy it. All right, so a couple days later, I got the chance to go to the theater and went ahead and saw the new film from David Gordon Green. That is the 2022 film Halloween Ends. For years after the four years after the events of Halloween in 2018, Lori has decided to liberate herself from fear and rage and embrace life. But when a young man is accused of killing a boy he was babysitting, it ignites a cascade of violence and terror that will force Lori to confront the evil she can't control once and for all. Okay, this has been extremely divisive online, and I get it. People don't like it. Where's the Michael and Lori stuff? Blah, blah, blah. But for me, I loved the direction this went. I thought it was very interesting to go with the examination of evil in Haddonfield because Haddonfield itself is very much a community that has been ravaged by the terror of Michael. And then, as mentioned, you know, the consequences of Laurie's actions. Uh, and people are just upset and there's a lot of fear and it's, it's pretty sad. And then Corey comes into the picture and he's been ostracized by people and not given a lot of chances to be a part of that community. So the movie questions a lot of that. I'm not going to talk too much about this just because you've probably seen this movie at this point. You don't need to me to explain it. And you may, you may hate this movie, but I'm not one of the haters. I found a lot to enjoy in this and I thought it was a good end to this I sort of think of it as this trilogy that David Gordon Green has done. It's especially better for me over Halloween Kills, which I might have rated two and a half, and I kind of regret doing that. But <laughs> uh, but yeah, I gave it three stars. I, I enjoyed it a lot. I thought the performances were good. I liked the writing. It was, it was a successful film for me. I know it maybe is not a successful film for you, and if you haven't seen it, you know, it could go either way. But uh, with the evolution of the Halloween films as they've been portraying different things, I'm very much open to how this movie takes the subject of Michael Myers and says, you know, let's not just use him as a crutch for the struggle that is happening in Haddonfield. Let's use him as, you know, a symbol um, as far as the terribleness of things that can happen and how people are affected by that. And it's it's not every day that movies are made where they actually focus on the victims beyond the, the direct um, relation to the crimes, like Laurie and Michael. Like it, it does want to talk about the people who have been affected by that. So I, that's all I'm going to say about Halloween Ends. <laughs> um, if you didn't like it, um, obviously... Uh, that's that's too bad in my opinion because I think there's a lot here to like but you know I respect anybody's opinion on it if they don't like it um, <laughs> uh, so here on vacation I have gotten the chance to watch a couple films uh, just a couple days ago <laughs> I sat down and watched another Halloween film uh, Halloween Resurrection from 22 excuse me 2002 it's directed by Rick Rosenthal who actually directed the second Halloween film way back way, way back, is was that 19, 
81, I believe. Yeah, he directed that one, and then he came back to direct Halloween Resurrection. I don't quite know why. The tagline is, evil finds its way home. Serial killer Michael Myers is not finished with the Laurie Strode, and their rivalry finally comes to an end. But is this the last time we, last we see of Myers? Freddie Harris and Nora Winston are reality programmers at DangerTainment.com, just DangerTainment, and are planning to send a group of six thrill-seeking teenagers into the childhood home of, my, of Myers. Cameras are placed all over the house, and no one can get out of the house. And then Michael arrives home. Oh, this was terrible. <laughs> um, it's it's so it's the early two thousands. There's a very okay. So I'll just say this felt a lot like Freddy versus Jason with the bad developments of the younger characters who were in their twenties and them all getting killed. It was bad. It was really bad. Um, <laughs> I uh, I uh, don't recommend this at all. I uh, it 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 reminded me of. The MTV series from years and years ago, actually around the time this movie came out, called Fear, which was definitely like people with a camera attached to them walking around in a spooky place, which was most definitely inspired by the MTV show, not the MTV show, by the movie, The Blair Witch Project. So this movie is kind of touching on the basis of early 2000s spookiness, and there are still shows today where people like are ghost hunters and um, not much... Um, not much of this worked at all. Uh, it's amusing to see Tyra Banks and Busta Rhymes in a horror movie, and the lines Busta Rhymes gets are are pretty epic. <laughs> but uh, uh, when he's fighting Michael Myers, though, um, I no, I don't recommend this. I gave it one and a half stars, and even that's probably too high. I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> um, but that completed me watching all of the Halloween movies in the series because I hadn't seen that one. I hadn't seen five and I recently watched that and then six. And obviously I got to the theater to see ends. So all good. All done with the Halloween movies. But I moved on to another franchise uh, the same day, around the same time, uh, got into Hellraiser, the new 2022 release, the new Hellraiser, reboot, I guess you could say. It's directed by David Bruckner. Tagline is, unlock your fears. A young woman struggling with addiction comes into possession of an ancient puzzle box, unaware that its purpose is to summon the centibites, or cenobites, sorry, a group of sadistic supernatural beings from another dimension. I had a lot of problems with this movie, and there were problems I didn't really realize until the movie was almost over. This was a very flat, flat film. Uh, I didn't really care for the actors. They weren't given a lot to work with. Um, it's, it's a, it's a pretty boring movie and it's like two hours long. This could have been 85 minutes. It didn't need to be this long. Uh, the central character, uh, she just felt underdeveloped. She's played by Odessa Ezion. Uh, the character Riley, who's got problems with addiction, uh, sounds like it was alcohol, it might have been other stuff too, but it doesn't matter. She's kind of dealing with the fact that she lives with her brother, and then her brother disappears soon after she uh, discovers the puzzle box. But soon she, soon she finds out it's all a setup. Um, the production design in this, I think, is like the only thing the movie was like really good at. Uh, it is pretty dark at times. I could see everything fine on my tablet, but I know some people have complained about the darkness and may have adjusted their 
televisions. It's a bit to see things. Uh, but yeah, this, there's this giant mansion featured, (coughs) excuse me. There's this giant mansion featured in the film that is pretty big and like, uh, it's, it's a good set. It's, uh, uh, intricate design, sort of reminiscent of what the box is itself. Um, but no, this isn't, this isn't good. Um, sadly, I think the design of the Cenobites themselves, including the priest who's played by Jamie Clayton, just kind of felt a little underwhelming. Not really as scary as they could be, but then again, it might be that we're so far along in watching horror films, and for me, I've been watching them for so long that certain folks like myself, we see stuff like this all the time. It's not really surprising, so if it's not something totally new and fresh, it's not really going to impress us. But um, yeah, this was just, I rated it two stars out of four-ish, five-ish, just plain too long, too flat, not interesting, and I have to say, uh, it's really too bad that movies like this, like, are just gonna sit on Hulu, and even though I didn't like it, it's the kind of movie that is, you know, when you're a little kid, you see the little things here and there that, like, scare you, and, like, you're like, oh my gosh, and you never forget those images, um, this isn't gonna be seen by any young teenagers who stumble upon it by accident, unless they're in their, like, parents' Hulu account or something like that. I'm just reminiscing about the days when I was a little kid and I would see the VHS covers of the Hellraiser sequels at the video store and just would be like, ooh, scary, creepy. Uh, but yeah, the new Hellraiser, now available on Hulu, I, uh, I don't, I don't quite recommend it, unfortunately. But now, I'll tell you about the last thing I recently watched. I don't know if this is necessarily counting as a movie or as a tv show but it's the length of longer than a tv episode well not every tv episode but it is just a standalone thing and it's longer than a short film so i'm counting this as a movie in my letterbox i guess uh it's werewolf by night which is available on disney plus and it's directed by michael giacchino um you might know michael giacchino as the um composer of a number of films, including like Coco and Ratatouille, Up, I really love his score for Up, but he uh, has some directing credits to his name and directed this. The tagline is, there's no escape, there's no escaping the night. On a dark and somber night, a street cabal of monster hunters emerge from the shadows and gather at their foreboding bloodstone temple following the death of their leader. In a strange and macabre memorial to the leader's life, the attendees are thrust into a mysterious and deadly competition for a powerful relic, a hunt that will ultimately bring them face-to-face with a dangerous monster. Uh, Sadly, I didn't really care for this. It felt a little flat to me, and I am not a fan of the look and feel to this. It felt similar to other Disney Plus kind of properties that are television shows. Like, they just feel a little boxed in and I didn't like the cinematography for this I know this is going to work for some people but like if you told me like somebody said to me hey should I watch this or should I watch the original wolfman watch the original wolfman don't watch this um sadly not the greatest vehicle for Gail Garcia Bernal I liked him in this but I just felt like he was not given a lot to work with but I will say since it's like rated it's technically rated TV 14, which is like a PG 13. This is totally suitable for like preteens and uh, people wanting to sit down and watch something spooky with younger audiences, I guess, which is probably not anybody listening to this. But 
Uh, regardless, um, I know I'm one of few people, at least in my circle, who did not really care for this. Uh, but I'm sure you could do worse. It's it's just okay. It's amusing. I'll give it that. Um, and it's and I like the idea of having a special on Disney Plus that's not like a whole series and maybe not a whole movie. Like it's more limited in scope. But then again, like I said, I didn't really care for the look of it, and I thought the production design was a little little lacking. Um, but it's it's okay. It's just all right. I gave it two and a half. Like I didn't hate watching it. It's just I felt like I was sort of missing something from it. I don't know if that's the direction or what, but uh, it could have been better in my opinion. It wouldn't have taken much. Uh, so that's all I have to say to you about things I've watched recently. Who knows when the next episode's going to be. <laughs> uh, but like I said at the beginning of the episode, I'm at 4,965 movies watched. And as I also mentioned, I'm on vacation. So who knows if I'll watch something else before I head back home. But Anyway, uh, I hope you enjoyed listening to this. I'm Mallory. If you want to follow along on Letterboxd, it's Mallory with three M's. So that's M-M-M-A-L-L-O-R-Y. And on Twitter, Cinema5K. That's the handle. Thanks for listening. Uh, I will talk to you later. Thanks. Bye.